listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like what you've been hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving a review on Apple. Coming up, we'll discuss three Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees. It's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or coach? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Tune us in every Tuesday for a new episode and a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we wanted to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. We've been talking a lot about one particular group of people here, and that, that's the, the, the quarterbacks. It's always fun to talk about quarterbacks because, Mike, you're so good with them darn quarterbacks. Um, there's, a, there's a quarterback that I think, and I've always said this, and, and after last year winning the Super Bowl, he just kind of put an exclamation point on it. He, to me, he represents the new face of the NFL. And maybe Russell Wilson did before he, he jumped on the scene like he did. But Patrick Mahomes uh, seems to have the entire package. I'm talking on the field, obviously, the skill set and what he can do for your team. But off the field, he seems like that guy also. Uh, and you, you know things are going good for you, Mike, when um, people put you on their board, you know, their board of, of members and and they make you a CEO and they want you involved in the organization forever. So, but in fourth year, four years in the league, Patrick Mahomes has already won a Super Bowl. He's already got a Super Bowl MVP. And it just looks like he's got a huge contract, upwards of 500 mil. It just looks like uh, he's he's the guy for quite a while, and the face of the league. Yeah, I, you know, and one of the things I think talking about Patrick Mahomes and Dick Vermeil had called me and left a message on my phone uh, when he saw this kid start and play, and he said, "Mike, you got to look at this kid." His comment to me on the message was, "I've never seen anybody like this in the league." period and I thought, wow and I didn't know much about him so then I started watching him a little bit and I think he's right I think he may have and it's obviously too early to say all these things but when you look at him from a coach's standpoint just technically the things that he does he can do things I've never seen a quarterback do before uh, he does everything you would have to give him a plus and everything from Physically to uh, the mental preparation to his personality, leadership. I mean, he is everything and, and may become the best player to ever play in this league. Who knows? Um, maybe he is now. I don't know. But clearly worth all the adulation and praise that he gets for who he is. Now, it'll be interesting uh, uh, with his character 
holding up against all the stuff that goes along with that, obviously. And he's done such a great job. But that there couldn't be a better face for this league than Patrick Mahomes, I think. Right. And here is what Patrick Mahomes had to say about another pretty good quarterback in the league named Tom Brady. That team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, they have a lot of talent. And they, they've had a lot of talent for the last couple of years now. And uh, I think when you add Tom Brady, someone who's proven that he can win, uh, win and get the ball to all those guys and, and score a lot of touchdowns and also be a great leader, you know that they're going to be a great team. Um, for us, uh, we know the adversity that the season's going to have. I mean, if you look at our season this last year, uh, through the middle part there, we were struggling a little bit, and we were able to kind of come on top and end the season well and then get to the playoffs and, and make a run at it. Um, but you never know what, what, what's going to happen during the season. And so I'm just excited that we have a, a lot of the same players coming back that have dealt with that adversity before, and uh, we'll try to solidify our spot with a tough division, uh, a tough AFC uh, trying to find a way to, to get to that Super Bowl again. And uh, whoever we play there, uh, hopefully uh, we can go out and put our best effort and try to win another one. So what do, how do you take a quarterback like that? Okay, he's relatively young, and he wins the big one, and he wins it pretty early here. So where do you take him next, Mike? What do you say to, to him this particular offseason? Well, I think one of the things that impressed me with this that soundbite was he's very aware of the pitfalls of winning it and how hard it is to come back the next year and win it. You know, when we won it in 99, some of the guys, uh, uh, Barton, the offensive lineman up at the San Francisco, came by my office. Harris and, Barton. Yeah. yeah, Harris Barton. And he said, hey, coach, I just want to let you know that, you know, everybody's going to write a book. Everybody's going to have their own thing. That the whole team is going to just kind of filter away from being a team and and uh, enjoy their success. And it's going to be very difficult to bring them all back. And he's very, very, very accurate about that. Mm-hmm. Very hard to come back and go back to back without real strong leadership. And you know, I didn't really understand fully what he was talking about or appreciate it. But when you experience it, and the thing that caught me off guard about the uh, Patrick statement, he's aware of it. You know, he's aware of how important it is to keep everybody tight and together and the pitfalls that will happen and their, their focus. It sounds like they're a real focused group, which is you know, when you win that, you know, you, there's a tendency to keep celebrating, you know, even as that next season appears. So you just, you just got to make sure that everybody's focused and, and they realize how hard it was to get to the other one and how hard, much harder it's going to be to get to the one this year. And, and I appreciate the fact that he understands that. That's pretty awesome. That's right. And, you know, the, the lights aren't too big for him, aren't too bright for him. He grew up in, in the, the pro baseball business, so to speak. You know, his dad was a pro player. He's been around the stuff. And when you're around the stuff, you, you know the good, the bad, the ins, the outs. So that he doesn't waste any time and energy being enamored by all the – things that football and winning can bring you and that right. that to me goes a long way right a long way and I, you know going back to your original question too is you know where do you take him on this how, how do you deal with him it's i think it's almost ron where does he take you you know you have to look hmm. at his skill set and continue you have to keep challenging him mentally and, and andy will do that he, Guys like that, they want it. They want to be creative. They, you know, you want to keep them energized and in it. And you don't do that just by doing the same stuff over and over again. And, and you, that's hard to do in the league anyway. So, 
I think, uh, you know, let you're still finding things that he can't, like with Kurt. We challenge him all the time, trying to find something he can't do, and it was very difficult to do. So we always <laughs> were changing things and, you know, and, and trying to be creative with some stuff. And I think you continue to do that with Patrick. I think it challenges him. I think it's healthy. That's an interesting point. Try to find something he can't do. Yeah. Well, here's another quarterback that uh, nine years in the league, and, and like Mahomes, he, he got his Super Bowl win relatively, relatively young, but you wouldn't know it because the guy seems to have a tireless work ethic. He seems uh, extremely humble, and he's not affected by uh, NFL stardom life, which can sink a lot of players. 75 wins in just seven years. And I'm talking about Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson going into this season. You know, he, he, he almost sounds like he's a guy who just got drafted and this is his very first year. Take a listen. Reality is I want, I want to win. That's all. That's all I really care about is, is going out there and and, and finding ways to win. Um, You know, and just constantly, um, you know, making plays, you know, I, I think that for me in my career, to be honest with you, Art, is I've always wanted to be on this progression, you know, constantly growing, constantly getting better from year to year, game to game. And, um, you know, I, I can say that I, I've dialed myself into that every single day. I've committed myself to that every single day. So part of this growth, uh, uh, and I think just where I'm at today, you know, to be honest with you, is just, you know, uh, is, is, is finding a way to, to score more points and just continue to try to dominate the game. And, and at the end of the day, I want the ball in my hands. You know, I want to be able to make plays and and uh, get, give us a chance to win. And I think that doesn't always mean just me chucking around, but it, it does mean that uh, you know, uh, you know, the more times I feel like when I get the, the more times I have the ball in my hands, the more things I think can happen. I think the defense worries about that too. Um, so you know, listen, I I think for us this year, we're really excited about the guys that we have. You know, for me, it's about continuing to to try to to evolve, continue to. Uh, try to find new ways to do things and just continue to try to elevate my game. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I definitely believe that I can help us win, you know, and in, in, in whatever way or fashion that is, I'm willing to do. And uh, I think I'm excited about that. So, Mike, he, my inside sources tell me one of the, the key attributes of this kid is he is an unbelievable studier. And I'm talking about you know, when, when you've got, okay, you have practice and you have all the stuff that, you know, you, you as coaches would do for guys. And he's there at the facility for his six hours, seven hours, whatever it is. But he now comes home and he puts in another three or four hours, maybe longer, watching films, studying the game. Is, is that a common thread amongst guys that tend to be that successful? Did you see that in, in guys like Kurt and other quarterbacks that were successful you know the really great players that i've been around i've been fortunate enough to be around a few of them they all are like that their preparation is just ridiculous it's like a coach or you know whether it's marshall kurt isaac tory any of those guys mm. john kitna they when you come back to your meetings on wednesday and do your installation and and start talking about the opponent they've They've reviewed that film, the cutups in the game film, so much that they can have an in-depth discussion about every little detail, and they're prepared for it. And that's why they're the elite. That's why they're great players, and they they learn that immediately. And that's and they because they have such great passion for the game. You know, one of the things that we were talking about earlier, I think it was last week, um, 
you know, some of the things that make some of these guys such like Baker Mayfield, why, why do I think he can become an elite player? Well, that's what he does. That's who he is. It's that highly competitive guy with a great passion for this game combined with a high level of skill. And, you know, if you're lacking in any of those areas, you're just not going to be an elite player, you know, and, you know, Russell Wilson, you, you, I think you could feel the passion for playing this game. And I think one of the comments that he said is what we were touching on earlier, the growth. He's so concerned about growing each week. And that's what you love about great players. The ones that they just can't wait to do something a little bit different or see how they can do this. And, you know, Isaac Bruce on a particular route, seeing how he can manipulate the, you know, all that stuff that's different from maybe what we've done in the past and growing and learning something new and, you know, if you're a coach, you got to love that. You, what you can't do is contain that. That's why I made the, the comment about Patrick Mahomes is let him t- take you where you're going. You don't take him where <laughs> you want him to go. You have to challenge him, a great player with new things every week and try to find out what he can't do. And you're going to find out that, you know, it's going to take a long time before you can find something like that. And what, what you've done is you've given him an opportunity to completely be free and uh, play at a level that nobody else is really playing at. And I think that's where he is, is a mindset, and he certainly has the ability to do that. And it's it's pretty exciting to listen to him talk like that. Mike, when did you learn that, that, that let the player take you, you know, when he's a special player, let him take you where he wants to go? You know, I don't know. When I first came in the league, Ron, it was, uh, you know, the league at that time had a lot of older coaches. And they had a way of doing things. And I saw so much talent and they were confined to a system or just this is what we do and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just, and there was so much talent and it just seemed like it was almost a waste to me. And so over time, you know, I think I made this comment to you before. There isn't a quarterback I've ever coached that I didn't take something from and learn from. I promise you, Kurt Warner taught me way more about being a quarterback than I taught him about being a quarterback. And I felt like I knew what I was doing with him. So if you take and study these guys and what they do, and, you know, from a a physics standpoint, you can teach them this stuff, whether it's the footwork, trying to eliminate the little false steps that you're talking about. And the first thing, for instance, what you do is with your eyes. So I always talk to guys about what what do you see as soon as you walk up the line of scrimmage? You go through that play the game with your eyes kind of a thing. And the really great ones can tell you exactly what they see. If a quarterback, a young quarterback comes up and he's kind of like, well, well, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know. And you got a problem. These great guys are the great players. They have such passion for what they do. They can't get enough information. They're just hungry. They're thirsty for, for information. And that's what makes them different. Will Mike McCarthy let Dak Prescott, take the Cowboys where he wants to go? You know, I know Mike a little bit. I don't know him real well. I have such great admiration for him as a coach. I think that what's important is to make sure Dak understands the system and is comfortable with it. And then the timing element that's so important gets established. And once that's established, then you start to be creative and and move forward with it. And I think that's the approach that he'll use. And I think that's the right approach instead of just saying, okay, this is what we do. Let's go. You know, and you still have to be creative with stuff with a guy like Dak. Now, Dak is, is what we're talking about. These other guys, I mean, he has that great passion and, 
and thirst for information and, and wants to be a great player and does and gets up every morning thinking about that. So that's why, you know, and I didn't really know that about him until I went down and spent a week with him uh, at the Cowboy Camp here a year ago and came away so impressed with him. I think he's going to be obviously a great player. So, and he is. He's, I think he's on his way to that. Yeah. And I, I jumped the gun a little bit. The difference here, obviously, with Dak Prescott between Mahomes and Wilson is he, he hasn't taken his team to the Super Bowl and won it yet. So I'm going to leave some room for that one because that is a, a, obviously a, a big step. No question. Uh, the last guy, yeah, yeah. The last guy, Drew Brees, 20 years in the league. And he did his kind of backwards from how Mahomes and Wilson have done it. Mahomes, Wilson, they won their Super Bowls early. Well, Drew Brees started off in San Diego and ran into, into some, uh, how do you say it, uh, front office politics. The head coach had one feeling about him. General manager had a different feeling about him. And it ended up with Drew Brees leaving the building. He goes down to a city that had just been ravaged by Hurricane Katrina. And wouldn't you know it, a couple years later, he's hoisting the Super Bowl trophy. Different road in, but probably very similar type of guy in the long run. He's got to be one of my all-time favorite football players. He really is. Uh, the passion that he has and the competitiveness, you know, th- these are common trademarks of these elite quarterbacks aside from their talent. And it, it makes them drain everything from their talent that they can. And that's what he does. That's why he's last, lasted 20 years. But if you had to win a game right now, um, it, it'd be hard to choose between Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees at quarterback to take you down and win that game. I, I just – he has to be, in my opinion, one of the three all-time best quarterbacks to ever play. So, you know, I yeah. – I can't say enough about the guy and, and the fact that he lives out in San Diego and I get a chance to <laughs> <laughs> No, but he what you know what he did? He created a flag football league. How about this? Uh for youngsters, for his kids. And he and some other guys and, and I've got some neighbors whose kids are in this league and they come from all around San Diego and the league is huge. There's you know, it's really teaching football kind of the right way, you know, and it, and it has yeah. so much fun. There's no contact and it's you know, I have strong feelings about young kids uh, being in contact football. I think it's not right. good, but, you know, developing their skills, you know, and I, it's just so much fun to see a guy that give of himself like that back into football and try and help create, you know, that younger generation upswell into college, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is truly something special to watch play and uh, true football mind. Definitely. So we will, Keep an eye on these three quarterbacks. If you're going to pick three quarterbacks to watch, folks, these, uh, you won't go wrong watching these three guys. We, we, we promise. We can't miss. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage. Join me every week as I welcome wrestling superstars of today and yesterday, and we go into their origin stories on a podcast I call First Match. He put Mr. Fuji... Jimmy Snooker, Ray Stevens, and all these wrestlers in the ring. And he made me run from one person to another and get slammed by each one. Well, I almost took about four slams from each of them. One slam, you would say, holy shit, I can't do that. That's the Brooklyn Brawler. Catch him this week on First Match, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. There are families that will go hungry tonight. 
every day people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Learn Again. Okay, so Mike, we've, we've got a lot of our listeners have been, man, bombarding us with questions, and we love it. We, we don't only get to so many here, but we'll, we'll start with uh, someone up your way, Chip from Bozeman, Montana. All right, Chip. And Chip says, college football has been canceled in several of the divisions. The Big Ten and Pac-12 won't play this year. True. The SEC, at least for now, says that they will play this fall. True. They came up with a schedule uh, just recently. Does that give one conference an advantage over another conference for the 2021 season? Mm. Well, I don't think there's any question. Uh, experience is everything, you know, and anything that you do. So, I think you, if you're uh, you're playing in that conference and you're, you're 10 games, it's still 10 games. You say you're a sophomore and you come back next year and you start for 10 games and you've got somebody out of UCLA that's not playing, clearly there's an advantage. You know, those are 10 games he didn't get to play and, and have experience in, you know, and particularly at the quarterback position. So I think it's a huge advantage, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, my son, uh, uh, youngest one's at UCLA, and – a couple weeks ago, he's sending me pictures of uh, some of his buddies that he played with in high school that are playing in SEC, and they're in full pads, going full tilt. They haven't missed a beat. And he says, Dad, even though we don't play these guys this year, uh, if we were to play, I don't even know how we would stack up because they've got such a jump on us. And he, he's, he's right. Well, I think he is too. Uh, there's no question that experience and, you know, keeping in that rhythm of the season and playing and that's uh, a big deal. Yeah. I, I, there's no question. It, it gives them a leg up on everybody else. Yeah. And, you, you know, SC canceled their game against uh, Alabama. They were supposed to meet, I believe, in Dallas for that one. And uh, I, I think I think SC saw it coming. And they realized just on the off-season workout programs and, and everything, they just weren't going to be able to to keep up with a, a conference that's going full go and has been going full go. And even without that, it was going to be tough anyway because that's that's real smoke when you play those guys. Well, you <laughs> know, in football, yeah, and football's so important <laughs> down there to everybody, you know, yeah. to the whole state. And I think you know they have the wherewithal to you know, keep their guys in that bubble, so to speak, and protect them. And, you know, all the applications that need to be done medically for in protection of all this stuff. So they've got the ability to do that stuff and the willingness to do it and spend that money, um, yeah. you know, to keep the season going. Whereas out here in the coast, you have letters from the players complaining about, you know, not having enough pillows and stuff. So you never know. All right. <laughs> all right. Question number two. This comes from Jimmy from Philly. How will the NFL handle the draft in the spring if they won't be able to see the entire picture of college players? So it's a great question. What he's saying is 
you know, without a true spring, a spring ball, and without um, a normal college season, is this going to throw off the NFL's system of scouting and, uh, and assessing players? Well, this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare for the league because my question would be, okay, so they're, they're out this year. The eligibility question, do they lose a year's eligibility? Obviously, they didn't play. So I'm assuming that those teams in the Pac-12 that don't play, you know, everybody has their eligibility. Plus, they've got these incoming freshmen, correct? Yeah, so, but that's what you still, would assume, right. But there's still a roster limitation, is there not, in terms of numbers? I know it used there to be is. The yeah, days. they can yeah. – yeah, and some schools will bring in more than others, and there's some leeway there. But, yeah, in general, there is. So, you know, with the roster, the roster limitation and scholarship limitations, and how does that – how does the NC2A filter all that through, you know, for next year? Or are those guys now available for the draft? Because they're juniors, right? So – yeah, or sophomore. So it's it's just a nightmare. You know, the SEC just yeah. keeps motoring. They'll, you know, they'll go through the draft and whatnot. So I would imagine they'd have to base it on their junior season, you know, for all those seniors and, um, you know, do the best they can with it or postpone it or delay it uh, to some extent. But it's going to be a nightmare for the league for sure. And then it's going to be somewhat unfair, obviously, for some of these players that who based on a great senior year – would enhance their ability in, in terms of the moving up in the draft. So it's it's um, it's really too bad. It's it's going to be a night for the league for the league putting that thing together. The draft is going to be very interesting and based on maybe two years ago kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the, now there's some college players that that are seniors. They're they're approaching their their final season, and they're ranked high on the NFL board. Okay. They they know that they have a legit shot to go and go fairly high. Some of them have, in essence, opted out and said, you know something, I'm, I'm not even going to, if we're, if we're, if we're not playing, then I, I'm not going to try to gamble on a second year because I might get hurt next year or whatever the case, or maybe we won't play in the spring because that's another element. A lot of teams, at least out here on the West coast are saying, Oh yeah, we're going to shoot for spring. Well, spring may never happen. So a lot of these kids are adding it up and say, you know, by the time I jerk around with the system and what this virus does and what happens, I could be in the NFL. So they're just going straight to the NFL. They're going to take their chances that way. And I, and I get it. I truly well, get it. And I think that the league is counting on that. You know, I, I think they're counting right. on anybody that's a senior, going to be a senior this year will be made available. That was my point. Next, you know, for after the season, what would be the season and, you know, next May and, you know, or April when they do draft, that these guys will be the senior class, even though they had no season. So, how does yeah. a, how does college football deal with that? You know, in terms of eligibility, are these actually juniors that you're drafting now, or yeah, well, you know yeah. that whole thing? So there's that's a, it's that's complicated, and there has to be some give and take between now the league and the NC2A in terms of eligibility and declaring for the draft, and you know those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, like you were saying, I don't even know how colleges are going to handle recruiting. You touched on that. So the recruiting season was, I mean, it was obviously from, from roughly toward the end of last year through, what, February, beginning of February, that, that, that changed, and everything changed from that point forward because of the virus. So it's a, it's a wait and see. We're going to have to so monitor you're recruiting. all this and see what they do. 
So recruiting in high school has gone back to their sophomore and junior seasons, obviously. So anymore, right. and this is kind of an irony of it, and which I didn't like that they, the NCAA allowed that to happen. But the benefit from that is most of those kids are offered off of their sophomore, junior seasons anyway. I well, that's a good Yeah. That's you know, Fresno State is, you know, they're, they've been recruiting like crazy and they've signed some awfully good kids. Obviously, that's my alma mater, but. So I kind of, you know, kind of keep an eye on what's going on there. And um, they've just been charging ahead like I'm sure all teams are. You know, for the first time, the coaches can be fully involved in recruiting because they're not coaching football. Mm -hmm. That's one way to look at it. Right. So how about this one? Let's say you're a college player and you're going into your senior year and you've had a really, really good junior year. I mean, you're, you're on the board, the NFL board, as they say. What would what would you do? Would you just say, "Hey, I like my junior film. I'll I'll stay healthy and go through workouts and roll the dice." I I really would be more inclined to go that direction if I were in that position right now as a college kid, rather than jump through all of these hurdles. Depending on what conference you're in, trying to go the other way. Uh, I think you're right. Absolutely. Think about this now, too. If if that's the case, you have to talk to somebody in the league or an agent, unfortunately, uh, that can yeah. give you an idea, an educated idea on what your status would be in the draft to make that decision. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, most of these kids are, are going to get agents. And then once you do that, it's over with. Um, right. So I think that uh, the league somehow is going to have to convey to a lot of these college kids so they can make an educated decision, you know, who basically would be on the draft board and who wouldn't be. And so that's why I say this is so way complicated, way more complicated than anybody can imagine. It's a nightmare for the league. Right, right. So Bill from Miami is our, our last question here, and he asks, the NBA is playing in a bubble. It seems to be working. No one is sick. No real news about players getting the virus. Same with hockey. Why aren't the other sports playing in a bubble? So the other sports would be baseball and football, NFL. They have chosen to not be in the bubble and more or less handle issues separately amongst themselves, their teams, and their facilities. Is it too early to tell? I think it's a great question. I think, you know, for six months of league, the NFL's had a chance to prepare for something like that. I don't know that they were ever open to doing that. And for a lot of reasons, I think the biggest reason is just the roster size of going to camp with, you know, 80 some players or whatever it is now. But, uh, and then all the support people around it and trying to keep all that into a bubble is very, very difficult because it's times whatever the size for basketball. It's just the logistics of it would be very difficult, but it's doable. But it would take a lot of planning ahead of time and commitment to doing that, which I don't think any of them were prepared to do. So uh, I think it's a good question. I think it's a real good point. But at the same time, I think the feasibility of it probably scared uh, a lot of the the people making those decisions to league away. The other thing is 32 owners – aren't going to agree on much of anything in terms of how that stuff should be done more than, you know, if you've ever been around some of the owners and, you know, they're all very opinionated and rightfully so, and they're all wealthy guys and have done well, and they're yeah. going to 
you know, there's going to be some sharp differences in how this should be done. And I don't know that they could probably agree on some of that stuff. All right. Well, like I said, we've gotten, uh, we've got more and more questions coming up and we'll get to those every week here. And we appreciate it. Thank you, Chip from Bozeman, Jimmy from Philadelphia and Bill from Miami. Keep those questions coming, folks. We love them. And now we'll leave you with this. Well, Mike, last week, Cowboy owner Jerry Jones had this to say about the importance of the NFL playing this season. When I came into the NFL, uh, Herschel Walker had a guaranteed contract. And uh, we hadn't been able, the Cowboys, have the money to post the money with the league to secure the contract. So uh, what we had to do when I bought the team, I had to put up 10, uh, 10 more million to secure Herschel's contract. We had uh, uh, we had the retirement benefits uh, for uh, cowboy uh, officials uh, that had not been funded. Uh, so as a part of buying the team, you had to fund that. The point was there was a dearth of money and it was throughout sports. It wasn't just the NFL, but it was throughout sports. And so it's very important to understand how fabulous that the NFL has evolved to where we are such a premier uh, part of the economic scene and of the scene of uh, providing that entertainment really chiefly through television. And of course, we have developed a lot of stadium to help that as well. But it has created a, uh, 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 an entertainment that it is important to everyone concerned, the future of players, it's important to the futures of coaches. It's important to everybody concerned that what we do right now is put the show on. Just from that standpoint, put the show safe, absolutely safe. But uh, prudent to step out here and make this happen. I don't know of anyone at any level in this league. I will start with the staff here. I will go to our players here. I will go to the league as a whole, the owners. I don't know of anybody in the league that you see at a training camp and involved here that doesn't realize how important it is to us to have a season and have these games on. And our fans will benefit from that. That's being motivated, but that's what's at play here. And the way to get this done and how to get the show out here so that we can put these games on and have a Super Bowl champion. All of that is very, very critical from that standpoint. What drives it? The interest that we have from fans all over the country. This should be a great time. It makes our future, if we can solve this problem and do what we want to do here, it really adds to what I want to be a part of for our fans and fans of football in the future. So it's very important that we realize that everybody realizes Let's do what it takes. Let's be diligent about it. There's a lot at stake here to put these games on. Jerry Jones, America's owner. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think he's really accurate with what he said. I, I just think that football, the NFL, has got such an impact on the morale of so many people in this country. When when you look at uh, Philadelphia or New York or any of these cities. And the morale of that town, when a team loses or wins a big game, and you can just feel electricity, you know, in the population. You can't go to 
uh, a major city in America that has a team and and not have strong feelings about that team from the general portion of that population. You know, just the way it is. They just that that's that identity. You know, this game is really kind of filtered through our whole culture. And you may not even be a big football fan, but you've got a favorite team. You know, it's typical to hear guys say, you know, I, I used to be, you know, I, I used to live in um, Denver, but I'm a Ram fan. I said, well, why is that? Because when I was six years old, my dad was a Ram fan. So I've always been a Ram fan, things like that, you know, and mm-hmm. they identify with the league so much and it's, it gives them something to follow and watch and be excited about or angry about, you know, and he's so right about the morale of this country hinging in some respect on, on just the, the play of the National Football League and being able to follow a team and some players. And aside from the betting and the, you know, the, the fantasy football thing, uh, people, they, they look forward to football season every year, period. They just do, particularly the NFL. I always said, well, right now in today's climate with everything that's gone on and what the league has had to fight through financially and still is fighting through, there's, there's three teams that are extremely important to them. And and this lends to what Jerry Jones was saying. Number one, the Dallas Cowboys. Because no matter what, as they say, whether you like them, love them, can't stand them, worship them, whatever the case is, when you say those two words, people listen. And when they're on TV, people watch, regardless of the record. The next team is, I think, the Rams. And I I, I don't know if I want to put the Chargers in there, but I, I would say it's about the, the L.A. market. The L.A. market is, I know, very important to the NFL for a lot of reasons. Number two, television market in the country. There's a lot of money sitting on the sidelines there that they are trying to get to. Uh, three, the Raiders, I think, are big just because of the gambling edge and the gambling side of it. The pandemic is uh, throwing a, a really big, big monkey wrench and a lot of stuff right now. And eventually we'll look back on this, Mike. And I think uh, people will look back and say, oh yeah, that was a rough time. But eventually <laughs> the money is going to be made. You know, the money is going to be made and uh, these contracts are all going to flourish. These TV contracts are going to get bigger. These stadiums and the, and the, the money that they're kicking off is going to be huge. It's going to be everything that Jerry Jones alluded to and, and more at some point. I, we're not there now, obviously, but at some point that'll be the case. You know, the Patriots, to me, it'll be interesting to see where that franchise goes. I, I think the easy answer is, well, yeah, Tom Brady's gone, so they're on the way out. Well, uh, that head coach up there is still pretty good. He's coached a couple ball games. He knows what he's doing. So that'll be interesting to see where that goes. But in my estimation, th- those three teams, that, that is where the, the league is going to uh, butter their bread, make their money uh, for the next couple of years. And they realize that. Yeah, those are good points. I, you know, I, I'm surprised. Uh, and I think the New York teams are important uh, to the league, very important. Oh, without question, there, yeah. But- um, yeah. He made some really good points about this, and um, I just think that uh, there's such an identity with the league with most people in this country, and, you know, it's a, some people hate the Raiders. Well, that's a good thing. Some people hate the Cowboys. It make a difference. They're following the league, and they have a vested interest in it somehow, you know. So, you know, it's hard to find somebody who doesn't have an opinion about a team or, or a situation in the league or a trade or something that's just throughout our culture. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. But hey, before we leave, let's talk about one more cowboy. Why not? Ezekiel Elliott. Fifth-year guy. He's got the money. The contract is there. You know, running backs, NFL running backs don't have a lot of time. Uh, what do you expect from him? I, I I see glimpses of what I think is greatness, and then other times I don't even see a glimpse. And I know there's a lot of moving parts around him, but where does he fit in this whole th- scheme of things, and what do you expect from him in, in next year and the years to come? I think great running backs, and I think he is a great one, I think great running backs – want the ball. They want to be involved as much as possible. And when they're not, it's hard for them. And I think that's what's happened to him a little bit. There were times when he just disappeared from the plan, so to speak. That's exactly right. And uh, when you take a great player like that, that's very hard on them. I think they need to feature him, to be honest with you. I think they need to feature him and ride him into the sunset as much as they can, and that's going to make the quarterback and everybody else very happy and win a lot of games that way. I think he's in his prime right now. He's a guy that you put the saddle on and ride into the sunset, and, and uh, I think he's going to have the best year of his career and probably will lead the league in rushing. Mike knows what to do with him. And I just think this is going to be, uh, if you're a fantasy football guy, and I don't know anything about fantasy football, but this is a guy I'd, I'd throw, draw a circle around if I, if I could. Yeah, don't forget you got Amari Cooper on the outside. He, he's, uh, he's played football a little bit. He Absolutely. Make a difference. So. This, this is a yeah. – if there's a year that this team is going to do something big, I think it would probably be this year because there's just a different it's, – sometimes it's good to change and just – it's just there's a different energy, I think, to them. So we'll see. We said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I think the special teams are going to be the difference. John Fossil coming over there along with the Zerline, the kicker. I didn't I, – I had forgotten that he had come over as well, so – I'm not sure how the Rams let him get out of the building as many big kicks that he made for that team. But, you know, there's a combination of some some firepower, and they scored well and, and were able to – well, they, they were able to put up stats last year. They, they couldn't score. That was a problem. But defense defense is going to be the big issue, I think. Well, the, the back end, like we talked – They'll be able to stop people. Yeah, the, the back end, particularly in the secondary, they just – they had some errors at in, in opportune times. But to your point about the kicker – Think about the games they lost last year because of the of missed kicks that were should have been chip shots, and you know we won't get into all that because they don't want to bang on a guy. But um, I think Zerline is a huge, 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 huge sign for them, and I think he'll yeah. make a difference for them. Yep. All right, Mike. That's another show. We talked about the quarterbacks. Your insight was fantastic as always, and we'll see where the Cowboys end up and what happens. It's going to be an exciting season once it finally gets rolling. And it does look like it's going to finally get rolling. And I think that'll be good for everyone. I do too. Always fun, my friend. Thank you. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Like what you hear? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Now it's time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or coach? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to join us next Tuesday as we answer some of those email and social media questions. Plus, we'll break down the league's top rookies as they make the adjustment into NFL training camps. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Just remember, we're two old pros 
trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.